Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? You're good? Great to see you. Uh, We have been, uh, this month of August... Uh, taking a journey uh, to ponder the question and answer the question, who is Jesus? We've turned to uh, the writings of uh, what some say, and I agree, was his very best friend from his days on earth, uh, the writings of that very best friend, an eyewitness of the person and the work and the teachings of Jesus, John the Apostle, uh, to uh, reveal to us the astounding identity of Jesus, the answer to the question. And um, we've uh, pondered that people have been asking that ever since Jesus was on this earth. In fact, in uh, uh, when he was in his public ministry, he turned to his own disciples one day and he said, hey, 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 who do people say that I am? What are you hearing? And uh, they gave many, many answers. Uh, people are still asking that uh, today. And so I'm going to ask you to turn back to If you've got your hard copy of your Bible or a digital copy on your smartphone or your tablet to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we're going to continue through what's called the prologue of John, the introduction uh, to his whole gospel, the first 18 verses of the book, who some say these are the most important words ever written. And uh, they do summarize all that Jesus was and all that he did, and what our response should be to him because of that in 18 short uh, short verses. And so I'm going to pray for us uh, as, we, as we jump into the next few. So Lord, once again, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we may see wonderful things from your word. We pray that you would uh, open our minds, that we may understand the scriptures. And we pray that you would by Your grace and the power of Your Spirit, unlock that part of our personality that most uh, directly relates to You, our heart, our spirit, uh, the very center of our being, that we may respond in uh, obedience and worship joyfully in response to what we see from You today. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we, uh, we have already seen in the first five verses of the Gospel of John, uh, him proclaimed to be no less than a, the pre-existent eternal God, uh, the second person of the Trinity, the Word, the Word was with God, uh, incomprehensible for us to understand how one God manifests himself in three persons, but here we see it more than hinted at strongly. And we see that He was no less than God Himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a little phrase we've been saying is that uh, this God poked a hole in the roof of the universe that He created and came down in the form of a man to show us who He really was and what He's really like and to make a way for moral and spiritual foul-ups like you and me uh, to uh, be reconciled to God the Father, forgiven, adopted uh, as His children and have life abundant and uh, eternal. We saw that uh, He's the Creator of all things. We saw in the first five verses that uh, the Scriptures say that life was in Him. Life. 
uh, not only physical life, but the life that is truly life, the life that human beings were created to experience. Life is in Him. He not only is life, He is the source of, of life. And this life was the light of men. I love, we love the, uh, the um, word pictures that the Apostle John uses to describe Jesus. L- life and light. These terms are used interchangeably. And all through the Gospel of John, we see him referred to as the life and uh, light. Uh, So the light shines in the darkness. And we're in darkness. Uh, We are, he is life, but the scriptures say that we, left to ourselves, are dead in our trespasses and sins. And uh, we say, well, now wait a minute, I'm, I'm not dead physically. No, no but we are dead to our ability to know and understand and respond to the God who made us, dead to a relationship with Him and the key benefits of knowing Him. We're in darkness, he says. You know, when you're in the dark, you can't see which way to go. You don't know if anybody's there with you. You're separated from the things you need and the people you love. In darkness, we can't see God. He says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. Speaking of some hostility there. Well, we saw that uh, God, the Father who loves us so much, He wanted us to, to get this, to know Him, sent a messenger. Last week we talked about John the Baptist, and we see him described in verses 6 uh, through 8, that, that there was a man named John sent from God to tell us about the light, to give testimony, came as a witness to testify about Jesus, the Word, God come in the flesh, so that all might believe through Him. And I challenged you uh, from the Scriptures last week with this, that if there are people that you want to have this life upon life, this life that is truly life, you'd better tell them, just like God sent someone to tell us. And if you are not yet a follower of Christ, but you really would like to have the life eternal and abundant and full life as it was meant to be experienced, uh, then you'd better listen to the people that God sends to you. Uh, And so then John picks it back up and he gets right down to business in uh, verses 9 through 13 today. And so our, our lesson together from God's Word is to unpack these Verses, and uh, here we go. You ready? Verse 9, he wrote, The true light, referring back to Jesus, the light, the life, the Word who was with God and was God, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now that sounds like good news, doesn't it? Hey, 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 we're in darkness, but the true light that gives light to who? Everyone. Everyone. Reminds me of the day I, I was uh, having lunch with a college student and we were going over these verses. He wanted to understand spiritual things. And we read this verse and he said, Oh great, everybody's... Yay! Yay! We, we, we are all in the light whether we know it or not, right? Everybody's okay. The people, the, the mythical man in the deep dark jungles of Africa who've never heard about Jesus, he's okay. By the way, he doesn't exist. Um, another story, another time. But everybody's okay. Well, it sounds like it, doesn't it? It sounds like it. The true light. So evidently there is a false light. 
and there are many false lights. Here, the Scriptures claim the Lord Jesus, speaking through John, claims that He is the true light. You know, later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus stood before a group of people and He said, it's not just that it's true about me, I am truth. Truth is a person. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's that word again. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that's an incredible claim, especially when we live in a day when people say, well, now that might be true for you, but that's not true for... Here's the mistake there. That's, that's a, uh, a thought system called relativism. And it's really kind of stinking thinking. It's self-contradictory. It says, there is no objective truth for everyone. Except, I want to ask, so are you saying it is objectively true for everyone that there's no objective truth for everyone? How's that work? It, it, it makes no sense. It's nonsensical. What we've done in, in our society today, and there's this thought system that battles for us to think this way, is that we have uh, elevated personal opinion and personal conviction to the level of truth. We have redefined truth. We see truth as, well, it's an opinion or it's a, someone else's perspective. Now, it is true that you have one perspective and I might have another perspective on any issue, right? Yeah, of course. Um, we, we Americans believe we're supposed to have an opinion even if we don't know what in the honk we're talking about, right? And, and we like to get in front of a camera and say it and or post it. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, um, but no, that's not what truth is. Truth is something that responds to actuality, to things as they really are. Truth is not saying the moon is made of cheese. That does not correspond to things as they really are, as we know them, right? Now, we tend to actually be um, selective in our relativism. We're objective when it comes to mathematical equations and the law of gravity. But when it comes to who God is and if He has a claim on my life or some ethical living matter or preference in, in lifestyle, we don't want any, we don't want to be it seems oppressive to us to have to be accountable to somebody else. I want to decide what I want to do. That's called rebellion against authority. And so that's when we like to say, well, maybe, maybe there is no God. Because if there is no God, there's no right and wrong. We can all do as we wish. There's only personal preference. Who's to say what's right and wrong, good and bad? If there is no God, there is no right and wrong. Well, it's wrong for you to believe that. Well, who says it is? No, there's nobody to say. Nobody to say. So, but when it comes to truth, we believe, and I think most people actually do believe, that there is objective truth. And Jesus says, I'm the true light. I, I am responding to God as He really am. I am God as He really is responding to you as you really are. The true light was coming into the world and He was uh, who gives light to everyone. Well, that sounds like 
everyone is okay then. Did that mean that he's bringing salvation to everyone, that everyone is saved, that everyone is a child of God? See, there, another part of our culture today believes that all people are children of God. Well, they're not. They're not. Well, how do you know that? Well, let's go on and see if he, that's what he means. He goes on in verse 10 and 11 and says, He was in the world, and that's speaking of all of the created order that he created. Remember, referring back, it's a reiteration of verse 3. All things were created by him, through him. Came into the world, the realm of humanity. And the world was created through him, yet the world, humanity did not recognize Him. He came to His own. He owns us all. He owns it all. And to His own people. Now that's referring specifically to the Jewish people. And they did not receive Him. For the most part, Israel rejected Jesus and His claims at that point in history. And this is an astounding statement to John because... uh, the Jews had had a a unique place in God's history. He came to Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, and said, I'm going to create an entire nation through you, and through you all the world will be blessed. And he prophesied that one day a Messiah would come, a Savior would come, and all the nations would be blessed, and that his family, his descendants, the Jewish people, would be the caretakers of this message of salvation and grace from, from God. And so they had the writings of Moses for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They had the writings of the prophets for hundreds of years. Uh, they had all of the Old Testament scriptures. They had all of the activity of God in their history. And so remember last week we saw where God was prophesying that one day I'm someone is coming. It's going to be, I'm coming to be the final sacrifice for all. Uh, they called him the Messiah. And then when he showed up, they didn't know him. How many of you have a translation in your hands when you read verse 10 that says, uh, He was in the world and the world was created through Him and yet the world did not know Him. How many of you got the word? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that word can also be translated know. Now, that word know doesn't mean a body of knowledge. Not like reading a biography. It means it is a relational word. That means to know someone intimately. If you go back to Genesis chapter 4 you will find uh, Adam and Eve described there, and it says that Adam knew his wife and she bore a son. Now that's speaking of physical intimacy of husband and wife. It's that same verb. It speaks of, it's knowing. It's not knowing about someone. It is knowing someone. We saw this, uh, this past week that former President Jimmy Carter has uh, announced that he has cancer. It's serious. Other members of his family have died of this very same cancer. I don't want him to have cancer. And uh, I know I know a lot about him. I've been fascinated by him from the time I the first when I was eighteen. I got to vote in my first election, and it was in nineteen seventy when he ran for governor. How many of you were not born then? Don't tell me. And um and so and so and, and so uh, you know I'm fascinated by him, and so I. And then he was elected governor and watched him do that. And then it was time to run for president. And we all got on buses and rode down to Plains. How many of you toured Plains, Georgia? 
Yeah, yeah. And saw his birthplace, saw his house. Everybody's standing outside his house. Look, there's a house out in the peanut field, you know. And, uh, and went to his church and, uh, where he grew up and was saved and went to the place where he played softball with the Secret Service and his uh, cabinet and on and on and on. And I've been following him as he's been a, because of his faith and his love for Jesus serving with Habitat for Humanity and being a peacemaker in this, in this world, I know a lot about Him. And, uh, and, if, and, and I, Keith Moore, am the one of whom Jimmy Carter said, Who? He doesn't know me. I don't know him. I know a lot about him. Never met him. Never met him. I don't know him. I don't know him. This... This not knowing Him doesn't mean they didn't know the knowledge of Him. It meant they, they didn't know Him. They didn't get to know Him. And so evidently, it's possible not to recognize and know Jesus. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. Well, now that word receive is a powerful word. It means to take unto oneself. It means to, to take unto oneself. It means to, to see something or someone. It also speaks of relationally, to meet someone and embrace who they are and invite them into a relationship with you. And also to accept them for who they are and what they're like and all of their qualities. And it changes your existence. They did not know Him and they did not receive Him. So evidently it's possible not to be a child of God. When, it's, when the Scriptures say that He came as the true light who gives light to everyone, that means this. Jesus illumines all human beings. He makes salvation available to all human beings. He makes sure that the gospel gets to all human beings. He makes it possible for all human beings to be saved, to be adopted as children of God. Everyone has the opportunity. Everyone is welcome. But not everybody chooses to respond. So if it's possible, you say, wait a minute, everybody's not a child of God? No. All human beings are created by God and all human beings are loved deeply by God. And God is fatherly in His attitude and behaviors toward all human beings, but not all human beings are His children. So if it's possible not to be a child of God, here's the question for you to ask. Well, am I? If it's possible not to be in the family of God, am I in the family of God? Am I a child of God? If it's possible not to be in the family of God, is my mama or my daddy or my brother or my sister are my classmates or my work associates or are the guys in my golf foursome, are they? Well, how do we know? Well, the good news is He gives us the answer here. And there are two qualifications for becoming a child of God. Write this down. Receiving and believing. Receiving and believing. Look at verse 12. Well, I'll start with verse 11. He came to His own, His own world, all this realm of humanity that He created, and His very own people 
did not receive Him. But, that's one of the biggest buts in the Bible right there. It's a good one. Circle it. It means, uh, but there's something different here. But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in His name. Receiving and believing. Now, truth of the matter is, if you write receive and believe or receiving and believing on your paper, on your note sheet there, and draw a circle around it, they're all, it's all describing, these two words are describing the same thing. And so while it's one big thing called conversion, while it's one big thing called the new birth, we, just, we have to describe it kind of in sequence because I can't tell you everything about everything all at the same time. I may not do a good job one at a time. So he says, first of all, to all who receive him, to them he gave the right to be children of God or the power to be children of God. To receive someone means, as I said earlier, to, to take someone in completely, to acknowledge who they are and receive them as they are. Now, when it comes to Jesus... That means that we don't say, well, you know, I like to think of Jesus as. Well, so Jesus is, you know, he's, he's the Savior. He's the only way to God. He's the way, the truth, and life. Well, I like to think of Jesus as one of the ways to God. Well, that's like you coming up to me and, we're, you know, we're already running for president here in our country, right? And so um, we're in political discussions. And, and I, you say, well come to me and say, well, what's your political persuasion? And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm independent. And as a, as a servant of the Lord, I'm unaffiliated with any political group because I want to be in the position to call every one of them to repent. That's, that's my job. And they say, oh, you know, but I like to think of you as a Democrat. Well, what does that matter? I like to think of Jesus as... no, no. See, that would not be receiving me as I am. To think of Jesus as anything other than what He has claimed to be already. The eternal, pre-existent God, second person of the Trinity, the one in whom is life, the one who is the light of all men, who shines in the darkness, the one, as we've been singing about, who died on the cross in our place, substituting, paying the penalty for our sin, rising from the dead, making a way for us to be reconciled to God. It means we, we acknowledge everything about Him that is true. So while it is true that it's not just enough to know about Jesus, we must know about Jesus. There are some things we must know and there are some things we must accept about Him. We accept that when He comes to you as, I am God, you receive Him as no less than Lord God Almighty. When He comes to you as the Savior, the crucified, risen Savior, you acknowledge that and you say, yes, and I accept you as the Savior. When He comes to you as the, the way and the truth and the life, you say, okay, yes, I, I know that and I receive you as the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. When He comes to you as the bread of life, you say, yes, I receive you as the bread of life and in you is all that I really need for this life and the next. When He comes saying, I'm the one who came that you might have life and have it abundantly, you say, yes, I receive you as the one who can give the life that is truly life. Life upon life, He says. Life abundant and life eternal. We receive. It. There's an action there. There is a receiving. 
We must know who He is, but until we receive Him, we don't have any benefit from Him. It's when we receive Him that we become, we are given the power to be children of God. Uh, I I have a a gift here. Now, Brian, we've known each other uh, a good while. Brian Cardoza, my assistant on the front, he just found out that he was. And... um, I mean, and I'm not messing, this is not a joke here, but if I told you that I was going to give you this gift, you'd believe me, wouldn't you? And if I told you that honestly the only thing in here is air, I mean, you would, ignite, you would say, okay, but I just want to give you a beautiful box that maybe you guys could set out at Christmas time as part of your decorations. I told you all about it and all of its, and, I said, but I, and I'm going to give you this. You'd believe me, wouldn't you? But you could sit there and believe, acknowledge the facts the, the, of this gift, but you would never have it until you reached out and received it, would you? You took it as it is. There you go. Congratulations. And uh, all the rights and privileges therein. So uh, until it is, it is acknowledging all He is and receiving Him unto ourselves. There's a receiving. And also... There is believing to all who received Him. To them He gave the right to be children of God, to those who believe in His name. Now, again, receiving and believing are really one and the same thing. Believing is, is, um, can be described with two words, repentance and faith. And we talk about repentance a lot here, but quickly, here we go. Repentance means that we change our mind of who we believe Jesus is and of our own condition and our own sinfulness and that we have a godly sorrow for our sinfulness so much to the point that we want to turn away from it and not be in it any longer, not participate in it any longer. Repentance is not just feeling sorry for our sin because we may be just sorry that we got caught. I'm sorry I got caught. Uh, We may be sorrow that we set in place uh, consequences that we regret. I wish I hadn't done that. Look what I did to myself. But repentance in the sense that gives us the right to be children of God carries with it godly sorrow. That's what the old Christian writers, that's the phrase they would use, godly sorrow. It meant that we acknowledged that we had sinned against a holy, loving God and has broken His heart over our rebellion and that we sorrow over what we've done to Him with our sin and we want to get away from it. And so we turn to Christ. So has there ever been a time of godly sorrow in your life that led to a turning away? If not, you need to legitimately ask the question, whoa, am I, am I really, am I a child of God? Am I in? Have I ever repented of my sin? It's repentance. Believing is also faith. It is active trust. Active trust. We, we, we take action on what we know. Now, Again, in our Western thought, we tend to use the word believe to mean 
intellectual acceptance of a body of knowledge. Georgia Tech beat Georgia last year. I just needed to say it. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge that. You see, we said, I believe, yeah, that's true. I believe that. But you see, in the, in the scriptures, to believe meant to acknowledge the facts, but to change our life because of them. Take them in. Again, when we see believe, when it's related to salvation, it is, it's usually accompanied in the scriptures with the little preposition in or sometimes translated into. I believe into Jesus. I, I, am, I, am, I am receiving Him into. I am believing into Jesus and who He is and all that He was. I'm trusting in Him. It is, we, we speak of it most frequently here, is active trust. Active trust. To all who received Him, to them He gave the right to be. Now that word right means empowered. He empowered them. He made them. He declared them. He adopted them as children of God. Children of God. Yeah, to those who believe in His name. Let me just clear up a little bit of this about believing in His name thing. I hear Christians sometimes in our culture use in the name of Jesus kind of like a magical incantation. In the name of Jesus... Well, that's not really what that means. In the biblical culture, when you spoke of someone's name, you, it, it, is, it was speaking of everything they are, all that they are and all they have done, their entire being and impact. So when we say when we trust in the name of Jesus or believe in the name of Jesus, we're just really saying we believe in Jesus. We, we believe in we have received we're receiving him as he says he is and we are believing into him we are we are placing our trust in him that is believing in his name into so Christianity is not so much that we uh, what we believe and what and that we believe it. It's more in whom we, be, we believe. It is whom we know and in whom we believe. Yeah, let me say it that way. It is whom we know relationally and in whom we believe. Christianity is not following a philosophy, a set of beliefs. We do not worship a set of beliefs. We do not follow a set of beliefs. We follow a living person and His name is Jesus. And He is the Savior and the Lord God of the universe. Now, the good news is, is what happens when we receive Jesus, when we believe in Jesus. Look at verse 13. All of those who receive Jesus, all of those who believe in His name, uh, who He has empowered to be children of God, they are born not of blood, not, nor of the will of man, nor the, of the flesh, but of God. Now that, those little phrases, born of blood, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, those phrases are simply describing physical birth. It's how we all got to the planet. 
Not of blood. He's speaking of the, the bloods of the, the, the mom and the dad. It's not, it's not of the will of man. That's a term that kind of speaks of, it speaks of the desire for children or the will of, of the man. It's, it's just, this is not physical birth. We're talking about the spiritual birth, born of God. Now, he's describing... Here's a big word. You ready? Big word of the day. You ready for it? Okay, you're not. But here it goes anyway. Uh, regeneration. Regeneration. That's the theological term. And what it means is it's the new birth. What happened? What does it mean to be a child of God? Well, it means a couple of things. We have direct access to God the Father, and we have all of the rights as sons and daughters. The right to be forgiven and the access to all that He has for us, which is full and meaningful life here and eternity with Him there. We have full access to God. We've been reconciled to God. So we've got those, those rights. And then this speaks of this transformation. You see, we come to Christ not to get cleaned up and become better persons. He, is, he did not come to be the Savior in order to make you more ethical, to make you more moral, even though if you walk with Him and know Him, you will become so over time. It's inevitable. But He's talking about this transformation he changes you. He, and He speaks of it in the New Testament all the way through the Old. Ezekiel, the prophet, there we find God saying, there's going to come a day when I take your heart of stone out of you and replace it with a heart of flesh. And He said, rather than having all these external ethical rules, He says, I'm going to write my law on your hearts. I'm going to turn you, in, not into, not clean you up. He's not saying we turn over a new leaf. He said, I'm making you an entirely different plant. It's like having a horse that's injured. He said, no, I'm going to heal the horse and make it better. No, no. He said, I'm going to give it wings and a horn and turn it into a unicorn. I'm like, it's something totally different. It's, it's what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, has believed into Christ, they are a new creature. They're in a condition they've never been in before. A new heart, a new capacity, a new life. He creates new people. He moves you into the spiritual life so that you're now able to respond to God and be excited about knowing Him and grow in faith. And, and, and this transformation from the inside out begins to, to take place. And then He begins to rearrange things marvelously in our lives. And so I haven't had much rearranging done. In my life, I'm kind of the same old guy. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you a child of God? Are you? Because if, if I, my favorite an, uh, animal, my family here would tell you, is an elephant. I've always loved elephants. Well, if I were to take my biggest favorite elephant and uh, bring him to your house and lock him up in your house for the day while you're gone to work, when you got home, you would find things rearranged. I mean, it is inevitable. You just don't have something that big and that powerful come into the house and things not get rearranged a little bit. When the Almighty God of the universe changes our hearts and we are born of God through faith alone in Christ alone, He takes up residence and, and He's just so big and so wonderful and so powerful, He starts rearranging things. over to, And He keeps on rearranging them while, as long as we're on this planet 
so that we look more and more like Him and love Him more and more and more now. So if it's possible, since all people are not children of God, are you one? And are the people that you know and love and like, are they one? Let's make sure we are. Pray with me. Pray with me. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and they're going to lead us in song in just a second. But while they do, you just be quiet and pray. Here's my only instructions. If you have doubts, maybe you're clear for the very first time on receiving and believing in Jesus for your salvation, then you tell Him in your own words. You tell Him in your own words. And if you're certain you're on the, in the family, begin to call out the names of people you love who may not be. Pray for their salvation. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.